0: have a seat. That is certainly one of the songs that lets us know it is Christmas time. And by the way, would you help me thank our worship team, what they do every week for us? A fantastic job getting us ready for Christmas. Christmas is right around the corner. Christmas Eve services here. If you're new here, I want to fill you in. We start Christmas Eve on December 21st because we need to make sure everybody has a seat for our Christmas services. We have 18 service options, across all three campuses, and we hope you're going to be there. Check out those service times at at parkview.com. And if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you've heard both Pastor Gene and Pastor Tim challenge us to invite somebody to come sit with us at one of the Christmas services. Interesting stat, um, 82% of people said they would attend church if they were invited, and I'm guessing that number goes higher at Christmas time. So we, we made these little invite cards, these little business cards. It's got a QR code on the back with the service times, You can even write the service you're going to and put this in somebody's hand and say, hey, come sit with me at service. And I want to challenge you today, as you head out of here, grab three, five, ten of these, however many you'll hand out, pray for people, and make room for people to sit with you at Christmas time. Another thing we want to make you aware of is the opportunity to give of your time at Christmas around uh, Parkview. It's a great opportunity, especially if you haven't plugged in yet, to volunteer and serve. And listen, we have enough people coming here that if every one of us Attended a service and served at a service, we would have everything covered. So, whether you like to make people feel welcome by just greeting them when they come in, helping them get a cup of coffee so they're not so grumpy, uh, checking in families, whatever you want to do, you can do that at Christmas time. And all you have to do is fill out this form that you got on the way in, drop it in the basket on the way out of the building, and one of our team will be in touch with you, and we'd love to help you plug in and serve. Um, December is a super important month around Parkview when it comes to generosity. It's the month where we receive a big part of our financial budget for the year that not only funds worship and kids and students and local missions and mission partners, but globally like Malawi and Kenya and around the world. And so if you'd consider giving a year-end gift, there's an envelope in front of you. It says Christmas giving. And I really want to encourage you if you've never given here, this is a great time to do it at this time of year. Um, You can do it through the envelope. You can text GIVE to 65649, or you can go on the website. However you do that, we just want to say thank you for being a generous church and helping us finish the year strong. Finally, if you were here last weekend, you heard Pastor Tim talk about the fact that we're going to take 2023 to really dig deeply into getting to know Jesus better, who he is, the impact he had on history, and why we should care. And so we're going to kick off January 8th, and a reminder, we do not have worship services here, Christmas Day, the 25th, or New Year's weekend, January 1st. We won't be gathering. We'll be online. won't be gathering on the 1st. But the 8th, we come back. Pastor Tim's going to be kicking off a series called Jesus, Who Is This Man? We're going to do that for quite a few weeks, and in partnership with that series, we as a church are all going to be reading together using a resource, a devotional resource called Quest 52. It's written by a friend of ours, fantastic short daily readings, getting to know Jesus by reading through the Gospels. So we want to encourage you to grab one of those devotionals in the lobby. We started selling those last weekend, and uh, it's going to be a great experience. Do not, if you buy them today, do not start reading today. We're going to do this as a church, so Pastor Tim's going to preach a message, and then we're going to read together. And we're gonna go through this the entire year and get to know Jesus better. So if you head out in the lobby after the service, you'll be able to grab those. Because we know the author, we're we're able to get them actually cheaper than on Amazon. If you want it on Kindle though, it's available. But we'd love for you to jump in January 8th. We kick that off and we wanna invite you to join us, all right? Let's stand, really glad you're here. We're gonna stand and continue to worship together. Well, good morning church. Let's lift our voices to the King of Kings
1: and Lord of Lords, come on right here. the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled Joy The herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King is a song we all know. Let's lift our voices right here. Come on church. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Sing it out. I raise a hallelujah
0: voice, we lift
1: our hands and we bow down our lives to how awesome you are. Our heart cries holy. We exalt you, Lord, in this place. We give your name all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus's powerful name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
2: Hello, hello. How we doing, Parkio? Good? Good to see you. Good to see you today, all of our campuses all around Chicagoland here, everybody out at New Lenox. Hello uh, to you, everybody at Homer Glen. everybody around Orland, online, glad that you have made the choice, the decision to be here uh, this week as we get closer and closer and closer to Christmas, and I'm not sure how you're feeling or doing right now. I know Christmas can be a great time, but it can also be uh, a hard times sometimes because of the tension with busyness and work and family and getting everybody together and that sort of thing. Um, for for me, one of my favorite, uh, it, it's just there's no doubt between Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, those weeks right there that we're in, they're, they're some of my favorite times of the year. And again, not always easy, but definitely some of my favorite times. And uh, one of the things I've learned is this, that things don't have to be perfect to be good, right? Things don't have to be perfect in the day. Things don't have to just go perfect at your dinner or at your work in order for things to be good, And So I hope you're having a good season, even if things aren't perfect. And today we're going to continue in our study as we get closer and closer uh, to Christmas. And uh, we're going to dive into the story of Christmas in the Bible that some of you will certainly be familiar with. But before we dive into that, I want to spend just a few moments leading us into that story. And I want to talk a little bit about politics and I know some of you are saying, did, did, he, just, you're, did he just say politics? I think he just said, I thought he said politics just there. And you're, does that freak you out? You're like, Todd, no, no, no. You don't, you don't talk politics at church, right? We just, that, that's not what we do. You don't talk politics at you know, Thanksgiving dinners or at Christmas gatherings. You don't talk it at birthdays. You, you basically, anywhere that you want some peace, you don't talk politics, right? Because everybody has thoughts and everybody has opinions and, and all sorts of things like that. And listen, I understand. I, I get that. But I want you to just to trust me for just a moment as we step into this, because there's a whole lot of things going on in that first Christmas story that I think we can relate to in our world socially and politically and that sort of thing. And In fact, to get us all going in the same direction, let me ask you, how recently have you spent time with someone that you disagree with politically or socially or religiously? And how, how, how long ago was that? Did you have some time? Even back, you think back to Thanksgiving, maybe one of your Thanksgiving gatherings and Thanksgiving meals, or maybe you've already been to a Christmas party, and, and you, know, you know there's going to be somebody there that you disagree with politically or, or socially. Has that happened? And, and you also, by the way, you know this person who's going to be there has like a track record of saying politically incorrect, socially insensitive things. You ever been there and you're just kind of praying, oh Lord, just please let them keep their mouth shut for like two hours. If if they could just do that. Listen, I have been in some of those scenarios during this Thanksgiving Christmas season where I know who's going to be there and I'm just praying, oh, don't let him say that to her. Don't, Don't let him say anything about that. And this is the kind of world we're living in. Or, or what about online on social media over the last few weeks or months? Have you gotten pulled into any uh, politically heated conversations on social media or anything like that? It's easy, it's easy for that to happen to us. As I've been thinking through the Christmas story that we're going to dive into and Jesus coming into this world and, and the life that he lived, I've been thinking to myself, I wonder if Jesus was alive today. I wonder if he would be on Twitter or actually, I wonder if he would be allowed to be on Twitter, right? Because how many of you know, some of the things that we know this, that Jesus said infuriated the political leaders of that day. That he, some of the stuff he said infuriated the religious leaders of that day. And so I'm wondering, would he have even been able to be on Twitter? And my thought about the whole Twitter thing is this, that my guess is he would have probably originally been on it, but he would have been then banned from Twitter, but now that Elon Musk has bought it back, he would probably reinstate Jesus on Twitter, is my guess. And I, I, that's just, I don't know, I don't even know how those two would get along. That would be crazy, wouldn't it? But, uh, and now he probably has more followers than Trump does. So that, that's just, that's my whole view of like the political thing with that. But, but here's, here's why I bring all that up. It's because a big part of the untold story that we oftentimes don't dig into it, Christmas is all of the political and religious and social lines that were crossed at Jesus' birth that helps us really understand that Christmas, that Jesus is truly for everyone, really is. And when I say political… I'm not just talking today about Democrat or Republican or, you know, conservative or liberal or, or that sort of thing. There's there's these several P's that usually travel along with political things. And, and here's here's kind of what I'm talking about. It's the power. It's the privilege. It's... The prestige, the position, the possessions, and all those things that travel along with, like, the religious leader, the socially elite, and, and things like that. And what I want us to get our minds around today, I know you have a lot of things to do later this week and even maybe today, but I want us to just settle into this for a little bit today that when God sent his son, he basically ignored all of these. He ignored all these. When he sent Jesus to be with us, Pastor Tim talked about last weekend in such a powerful way, if you missed that message, Jesus being with us. God blurred all of these lines showing that Jesus is for all of us. And in just a moment, we're going to dig in, read the Christmas story, and unpack some of those places that maybe we hadn't completely recognized even before. But before we do that, I want to say one one more thing. And that is, if you are here today on any campuses or online And you would not consider yourself to be really a Christian or a church person or a follower of Jesus. I just want you to know I am so glad that you are here. I'm so glad you're around this weekend. And here's what I think. I think you're going to love this message today. And the reason is because maybe as not being a church person and and that kind of thing, uh, maybe not calling yourself a Christian, maybe you've thought in your mind for a long time when it comes to God and when it comes to church and churchy people, they're just kind of like politically not okay. They're politically incorrect. Maybe that's what you've thought in your mind. They're socially kind of out there. And what you're going to see today is that in some ways God is just kind of politically incorrect. At least from the world's point of view, he doesn't always do things the way we think he should do things. God's ways are not our ways. But from his point of view, from his perspective, he is right on point. And hopefully it's going to recalibrate even some of our hearts this weekend. So, with that being said… Let's dive in here to some of the story of Christmas in the book of Luke and also in the book of Matthew. I'll read it. It'll also be up on the screens. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary... Everybody say Mary. Mary's going to be a big part of our study today. Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, it came for the time for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Continuing on, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Everybody say shepherds. They're going to be a big part of today as well, the shepherds, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then finally on over in the book of Matthew, chapter 2, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, the magi or wise men, everybody say wise men, wise men, the big part of our story today, came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star. We've been watching the stars. We've been studying the stars. We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. So this is the story that a lot of you know, whether you've been in church you know a lot of your life or maybe just a little bit of your life, you know probably some of those lines, some of those verses. But when you think back to the very first Christmas, you realize that there's really only one baby invitation that's sent out. Only one invitation from God sent out for people to visit Mary and Joseph and the baby. Can you imagine if your kids or your grandkids or you're having a baby sending out one invitation? That just wouldn't happen these days. Somebody's having a baby. Who are you going to let know? We were thinking just we'd let one person know. What? But that's what happens. God only sends out one thing to come visit Mary, Joseph, and the baby. And who's God send that to? Remember that from what we just read through it? He sends it to the shepherds, right? An angel appears to them. They're terrified. They freak out. And in our world, I know that we have glamorized and romanticized the shepherds. You know, and their staff and, and, and all the garb that they, you know, have on, all those clothes. And in our nativity sets that so many of us have around our house, they are central characters to that. And listen, I am a big fan of shepherds. I love shepherds. I even played a shepherd last year in a live nativity. I love, I love shepherds. This is my cow bongo that I had to be responsible for. And I also had sheep all around me. And so basically I had three or four hours because I was the oldest one in this scene. So I had to spend three or four hours keeping people out of the poop and stuff like that, of, of all the animals. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just telling you this. When I got done with my three-hour shift, I, I, I did not smell well. I just didn't. It, it took me like an hour shower to, to get the shepherd off of me after that. And that, That's hard to say. You got to be careful when you say that, an hour shower to get, get, get the shepherd off of me. But here, here's, here's what I want us to realize. These the shepherds In this day and age, in the first century that we're studying, they were constantly in contact with these dirty animals and the fields and dusty and all that kind of thing. And so it made them two things. It made them smelly physically. People didn't really want to be around them. And it made them unclean spiritually. They couldn't go to the church and participate in some of the religious stuff they would have wanted to. They were smelly and unclean and couldn't be a part of the same society that a lot of other times maybe people were they wanted to be. Furthermore, the, the sheep that they were raising were largely used to prop up uh, a religious system that was extorting people for money because a lot of these sheep that they were raising were then going to the temple and they were being sold as sacrifices and people were being charged a whole lot of money to buy these sheep to give as sacrifices. So they were participating in a lot of this. So the shepherds... That, that we loved, that I played in, in you know, uh, my role, they were synonymous with being uneducated, marginalized, social, religious outcasts. I mean, they, shepherds, they smelled bad. They smelled like sheep. They just did. I, I've told you this before. I don't know if you remember, but I, I grew up in Kansas. Uh, I grew up in Kansas City, uh, Overland Park, Olathe area, and if you're familiar with that area, and where I grew up was... A mix of rural and residential. There's a whole lot of farms around where I live and a whole lot of residential stuff being built. And I literally, I can remember clearly in my high school, I had several friends, at least three or four friends who they had chores they had to do every morning before they came in to school. Okay, so if they had an 8 o'clock class, they had to get up at 5.30 or 6 o'clock, and they were out in the truck and throwing out the hay and the straw or, you know, to the cows or to the, you know, the, the pigs or, or whatever the case, working with the horses. I had one friend. I'm not going to say his name because he may watch this someday, and I do not want that. Um, great guy. Good friend. Everybody, everybody did like him. Football kind of player. guy, Just great guy. But he wore boots every day. And every day he would come in, there, there would be cow poop on those boots. And, and you could smell him coming down the hall. You could. You, you just could. Good guy, but it's like, why don't you wash those things, you know, and somewhere? And you could smell him every day. My guess is with Mary and Joseph, they could also smell these people coming up near them and the baby And when no one else wanted to associate with these shepherds, it is God who says, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is for everyone. Unto you, stinky shepherds, a child is born. A Savior is born. And what does this tell us about God? Well, it tells us that God is really doesn't give a rip about the politics of that day or the social status of these shepherds. He is saying that, listen, Jesus, I'm going to cross some lines here. Jesus is for everyone. And it doesn't stop there. Oh, moving on, it's, we talked about them, we read about them. What about the wise men? The wise men were, were probably this really, it's God putting the Jewish religious leaders and the political leaders in their place really is what the wise men are this is like a slap in the face because at least at least the shepherds were jewish right but these wise men these magi they are political outsiders they're not even jewish Okay? The people who were supposed to be waiting for the Messiah and seeing the baby and all these kinds of things and being the first to arrive and they've been watching for for centuries. These, these are pagan, basically astrologers studying the stars from the east. And in the first century, there were really, understand, there were really only two different kinds of people in the first century, and that is Jewish people, at least from the Jewish perspective, Jewish people and everyone else. That's it. That, that, that's all there was. And the Jewish Name, the Jewish background and heritage, meant political power to you. It meant personal pride to you. The Jewish people were the chosen, right? Did you see the show going around recently? The chosen, they were the chosen, and everyone else was Gentiles. There was the Jewish people and everyone else. In fact, the Jewish people in this day and age, maybe some of you know this, they considered everyone else who wasn't Jewish to be dogs, Oh, they're dogs, they're just dogs, they're beggars, they're you know, scoundrels, they're dogs. And I've studied this for a lot of my life, studied the Bible, preached through and read through the Christmas story for a lot of my life, and I've been trying to think like the last week or so, how do I describe this to us this weekend effectively? And, and here's what I've come to realize, if I was to say it the way it really is and use the words that I should use about other people being dogs, it would be so offensive you, you would just want to leave. You, you, you would not want to listen anymore. And so I'm going to do my best to, to kind of pull it back, but help us understand this dichotomy of just here you have the Jewish people and then everyone else, you know, is, doesn't even really count. They're, they're dogs. Let, let's think about it like in the world of sports or something like that. Uh, I don't know how many of you have been watching the World Cup. I, I, I love uh, the World Cup, but maybe some of you are going, well, the World Cup is over. I'm like, well, no, the World Cup isn't over. Well, the United States are done, so the World Cup is over. Right, everyone else. Well, I'm saying no. I mean, uh, you know, you have the Netherlands. We're still playing, and, and you have Argentina, and you had France, and you had England, you had Croatia, and you know, and, and, uh, and there we go. Uh, you, you, you know, you ha- and some of you're going, no, it's it's dogs, 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 dogs. Okay, it's it's the United States are out, and so that we we like to do that in sports. Or what about like the NFL? What if I was to see you today after the service, and I come up to you and hey, what are you doing today? Are you going to watch some NFL? And you said to me, well, the NFL's not on today. What, what, do you, what do you mean? I mean, what do you mean? Well, uh, the, the, bear, the, bears are, the, the Bears have a bye. It's not on. Like, well, there's still, they're still teams playing, right? I mean, you have the Chiefs playing, you have the Chargers playing, and, and you have the Bills and all this. Game. Well, no, uh-uh. dogs, 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 dogs. Right? And in the world of sports, we, we kinda like to do that, and it's kind of funny, and you know, everyone else, you know, doesn't really count, and everyone else is marginalized and that sort of thing. But what if you take it a step further and you think of like the economics and, and you start looking at people in your world who have jobs maybe that are lesser than you, or don't drive the car you drive, or don't live where you live, and, and just they're they're doing more of those service level things, and you're thinking, Oh, they're just their servants, they're dogs. Well that 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 gets a little less okay really quick. Or what about if I was talking to you about people who are at your work and they're from a different race or they're from a different religion, they have a different color of skin than you, they have a different faith background than you, and you said, oh yeah, well, they're dogs. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That, that's where we are. These, understand, in the first century, these wise men were a really weird choice because they were outside the boundaries of most of those religious people. And God going to these wise men and them following the star, this is supposed to be for a whole other group of people. But these other group of people, cho- these chosen people, were too blind and too self-righteous to see what God was doing. So he goes to these other people, again, blurring the lines and showing us that, hey, listen, this baby, this Jesus, this thing that I'm doing, it's going to be for everyone, no matter what background you are. And so where are we? The greatest announcement that's ever been made was sent, first of all, to the shepherds who were socially just outcast. People didn't want to be around them. They're sent to the wise men who politically were completely out of bounds. And then we'll just go one more step into this today. There's more steps we could take, but we'll just take one more step and then we'll be done. Think about this choice. Think about Mary. Mary, I mean, honestly, is, is probably like the ultimate unexpected choice, By God, the Mary that so many people today respect and revere and even pray to, it would not have been that way. In the first century, I'm telling you, it just would not have been the way we view it today in our world socially and religiously. And there are several reasons for that. Let me just share these. You might know some of these. First of all, she was a teenager. We know that. She's probably 11, 12, 13 years old because we know that that is when young ladies would be betrothed or be engaged or have a fiancé. So we know that she is young. She doesn't have the Ps of the power and the prestige and the possessions and all of those things that a king of kings would be born into royalty, Lord of lords. That that is not who she is. She was most likely illiterate. She wouldn't have had the education, largely just because of her gender. She would not have had the education and reading that, that other people around her who were born maybe into a different social stratus would have had. She was from a mostly poor family. And married into one. We know this because when Mary and Joseph go to the temple to give sacrifices, they can't even get the sacrifice they really should get. They don't have the money to give the offering that they wish they could give. They're from poor, like working class families. They're not from royalty, king of kings, lord of lords kind of thing. She was pregnant, keyword, before being married. And now she has to leave her area, leave her town, she's gone to live with some of her family, some of her relatives, and she's starting to show, "This is not OK for her to be this way, especially as a young teenage girl. I mean, what's she going to do? Who's going to take care of her? It just, it's, it's just out of bounds. And then finally, she says she said that the baby was not Joseph's. Can you just imagine this? Can you imagine how this goes down? Again, I know we've read the Bible so much, and some of you have heard it so much, we just kind of let it go by. But I love just settling into this for a moment. I love how Pastor Albert Tate um, kind of describes some of this moment. I've been watching and reading some, and he's just so good at understanding. Like Mary, you know, wants to tell Joseph, so she calls, says, "Hey, I have something exciting to tell you." And so they get off, you know, by maybe as much by themselves as they can. And she says, "Guess what? I'm pregnant, and it's not your baby." And he says. I know it's not my baby. I mean, I know how this works. So whose baby is it? How are we going to do this? I mean, who am I going to have to come after? You know, sort of thing. She says, well, it's the Holy Spirit. I'm having God's baby. Can you just, again, can you just let yourself settle into that? I'm having, if your fiance said to you, hey, I'm pregnant. It's not yours. Whose is it? It's God's baby it's a God baby. It's the Holy Spirit. Can you, listen, if I was Joseph, I'm just going to shoot straight with you here. If I'm Joseph and Mary, my fiance says that to me, I, it's the Holy Spirit, I'm having God's baby. I just want you to know here is probably how I would react. And it's probably how many of you would react. Okay, here it goes. Cue music. Peace out, Mary. Yeah.
1: Said he's going back, Go back to a simpler place time. Right. Oh, yes, right All
2: right, you're thinking, is he coming back? Is he going to come back, Yelma? <laughs> That's probably where I would be, right? If somebody said that to me. And here's the thing, part of you, we, we don't know a whole lot about Joseph, we really don't know a lot about his life, but we do know this, we do know that there was a point in his life where he thought all this, he thought about this. Because we're told in the Bible in Matthew chapter 1 that he had it in his mind to divorce her quietly and to get out of that relationship so he wouldn't bring shame to her. But we also know that at some point Joseph made the decision, you know, to to put down the suitcase and to take off the coat and to take off the hat. And he made the decision just to stay, even though he didn't really understand what God was doing didn't make a lot of sense. And my guess is, as silly as this whole thing I just did seems, this may be exactly where some of you are today. Metaphorically, you may have the suitcase in hand, have the coat on, and have the hat, and you may be saying, listen, God is not making sense in my life. God is not making sense in my marriage with my husband or my wife or my fiance. He's not making sense in my job or with my money. So guess what? I'm putting everything on, and I to the church and to God, I am, I'm out. Now, you may not tell everybody that. You may not announce that to anybody. But in your own mind, you're thinking, I'm done. Because for this whole year, God hasn't made a bit of sense. And here's what I would say. If that is you at all, maybe this would be the Christmas where you decide to just put down the suitcase, take off the jacket, put away the hat, and you decide to just stay put in your place, in your small group, in your church, in your marriage, even though you don't understand what God is up to you're just going to decide to stay and trust that his ways are not our ways. We don't know a lot about Joseph, but I think we can learn a lot from him in our lives. And when it comes to Mary, we know that if you would meet her today, she's just an ordinary teenage girl. She doesn't have any of those political powerful P's, the prestige, the position, the possessions, any of that kind of stuff. And even Mary, when she learns about all this, She says, what is going on? I mean, Mary even basically says, this can't be true. But yet God says, I'm choosing you to have my one and only son, Jesus, brought into this world. And what's that tell us about God? with Joseph and especially with Mary. I think here's what it tells us, and let me just take a moment on this because I could talk about this the whole entire time today. It it shows us, and I think this is so important here, is how God values women. Which is huge because in that day, in that first century, women did not have the value they deserved. And a lot of their contributions to society and also to the church were completely ignored and marginalized. And and I wish I could say that today everything has faded away in the first century, but that's just not the case. And I'm telling you, one of the biggest things for me and in my heart is that I am I am so grieved, even still in our world today, how many times women are marginalized, and so many of you women have gifts that God has given to you that you are not always able to use in society and in the local church, and that grieves me. And I just want to say, here's what I want you to hear. Ladies, all the ladies on all of our campuses, ladies who are online, if you're in your 90s, if you're above your 90s, but if you're in your 90s, if you're in your 80s, 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, 20s, if you're 11, 12, or 13 like Mary, listen to me. God has given you incredible Gifts And he wants to do things with you and in you and through you. And ladies, do not let anyone tell you what God can't do in your life. Amen? Just don't do it. I'm, because we need your voice in our society, but we need your voice and we need your leadership, lady, in our churches. And, and, and God brings huge value to that in choosing Mary this young girl to bring Jesus into the world. Now, let's let's pull this all together and let's just imagine, let's just imagine how this story if it unfolded a different way. Let's imagine that Jesus was born like in a multi-million dollar home. Instead of with Mary and Joseph and you know and all the barn and stable and that kind of thing. Let's imagine Jesus was born there, and let's say that he had a Gucci, you know, um, <laughs> stroller, and that, that's actually a real thing, by the way, which is scary, uh, and I'm sure very expensive. But let, let's say he had a Louis Vuitton baby bottle, uh, which, again, is a very real thing, you know, and let's say that Jesus was born to, like, very politically powerful people kind of in a palace or socially elite people, you know, that everybody wanted to be around and that sort of thing, you know, kind of king of kings kind of thing. If Jesus had done that then guess what? Not all of us would be able to relate. Can't relate to that house, can't relate to that stroller. But instead, Jesus came from the highest place in heaven to the lowest place here on this earth so that every single person on this planet, every single one of us here this weekend could relate to him and he Could save us, and we would be able to see and recognize that. In the Bible, in Luke chapter 2, the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy that will be to all people. To all people. Who is all people? All is everyone. So, if it's for everyone, how should we live? How should this Christmas story affect us this week? Here's just three quick. Little things for us to keep our eyes open to as we head out into our world this week. First of all, get to know the shepherds in your life. These are the people who are around you who are maybe doing jobs that you wouldn't do. They're jobs that are below you. They're people who work for you and essentially maybe even serve you. But keep your eyes on those shepherds because God is often close to those kinds of people. It may be the people who literally don't smell very well. The people sitting outside of 7-Eleven or Dunkin' Donuts or something like that begging for, what if you just recognized them, made eye contact with them, gave them some dignity? Get to know the shepherds in your life this Christmas season. Strive to understand the wise men around you. The wise men are the people in our lives who don't look like us, and they are maybe a different faith background than us. Maybe it's somebody at your school or in your neighborhood who goes for, comes from a completely different kind of place. Maybe the whole different faith idea and background is somebody in your own family. Maybe it's even one of your young adult kids who doesn't see God and Jesus and the church the way you do any more. Spend some time getting to know and understand those people who come from different backgrounds than you, helping them understand that Christmas and Jesus is is for everyone. And then finally, have grace and care for the Marys in your midst. There's no doubt that all of us, we may know this right off the top of our head, but certainly if we slow down and think about it, we know there's people around us who maybe are feeling a little nervous not understanding what God's doing in their life. Maybe they don't have the power, the prestige. Maybe they're kind of marginalized a bit. Take some time to get to know those people, the Marys in your life, because they, again, are oftentimes the ones that God comes to us through. Amen? Let's pray together. God, thanks for today. Thanks for the opportunity we have to study, to sing, to lift our voices to you, to point our hearts towards you, and especially in this Christmas time where everything can get so busy and then almost like a snap, it's already Christmas and then it's New Year's. God, I just pray that you would help us to have eyes for the wise men, for the shepherds, for the Marys who are around us. Help us to realize again that this whole idea of Jesus it's for everyone. It's in your son's name we pray. And everyone says, amen.
0: We're going to prepare to take communion. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Gene Apple was here, and he uh, reminded us, kind of kicked this whole theme off, Christmas is for everyone. Pastor Tim said the same thing last week. Pastor Todd took a little different angle this week and reaffirmed Christmas... Is for everyone. Are we getting it? It's it's for everyone. It's for rich and poor. Christmas is for men and women. Christmas is for people on both sides of the political aisle. Christmas is for uh, left lane drivers that do the speed limit. Christmas is for the person ahead of you while you're shopping that still pays by check and stands around saying, "What's the date?" It's for the person with 15 items or more in the 10 item aisle. It's, it's even for cat lovers. Christmas is for cat lovers. I'm kidding, Christmas is not for cat lovers, so. <laughs> you can email Tim about that. So uh, Christmas is for everyone. Let me read this for you. It's from Romans 5. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. By the way, the ungodly, that's us. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christmas is for everyone. It's for you. It's for me. No matter where we stand, no matter if we're just in the beginning of this search or we've been following Jesus for a long time, it's for everyone. You want to know why we kind of push you or encourage you all the time to invite people uh, to come to church and especially uh, to Christmas services because there's a whole bunch of people and you may be one of them that have been told that Christmas is for everyone but you <laughs> or you just feel that like maybe things have been messy and you're like, I know it's Christmas is for everyone but it's, it really can't be for me. You have no idea. Well, that's why we want as many people here as possible to hear the good news, especially at Christmas, that Christmas is for you, that Jesus came for you no matter what's going on in your life or what has gone on in your life. And that Christmas is for everyone. Same thing at communion time. We always say this: If you're new here, you're welcome to take communion here. You don't have to sign any paperwork or anything like that. You know, you don't have to be a member of Parkview. All you have to do is say, "I, I want to follow Jesus." I, I'm. I'm I'm doing all I can to follow him and learn more about him. And you're, and Christmas is for you and communion is for you as well. So uh, you should have received a little communion packet um, when you're on the way in. There's two layers there, especially if you're new. This is a little tricky. There's a the layer on the top, a, a thin layer you need to pull back to get the bread, and then another layer for the juice. And what I want to do right now is just give you some time to reflect on what comes up on the screen and the idea that God's made a way for you. He's made a way for me. And listen, if Christmas is not for everyone, then it's not for me. It's not for me. And so let's remember that together. I'll come back out in just a moment. We'll take communion together. is the body of Christ broken for everyone take and eat and his blood shed for everyone take and drink Father thank you for the reminder um, that if Christmas isn't for everyone then it's not for anyone and uh, we're grateful for the the path you opened by sending your son and for his sacrifice for us and his death, burial, and resurrection that we remember. And, uh, yeah, we're grateful for that and help us to be as patient with others and kind and gracious as you've been with us and that you continue to be with us in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand, you guys. Thanks for being here. I do want to encourage you again, grab some of those invite cards, hand them to folks and say, come sit with me. people will come and uh, jump in and volunteer as well. It's a great way to, to plug in here. And uh, if you're a cat lover, I'm sorry. Um, it truly is a joke. I have nothing against cats. It's just easy target. So I'm sorry about that. All right. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with us as we leave here. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you.